So yeah, it's just saying welcome to everyone. It'd be good to just do a quick intro. This is just going out to community members, by the way. So for now, it's um, it's going to be a small group of people joining us live and then other people accessing the recording afterwards, but it'll be a lot more slick. <laughs> so just maybe like 30 seconds about who you are and what you do, and then we can dive deeper into more about um, your challenge, particularly Hayley, about this, uh, the reason this started really, this, this webinar. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Should I start? Or? Yeah, go, go for it, go for it. Hi, my name's Hayley. Um, I am trying to create a social startup with my creative partner, Ruben. What we are really trying to make is um, meaningful media for kids um, in the form of different projects that tackle kind of global issues that we're trying to connect kids to. So at the moment, we have two main projects. Um, and the one that I'm really asking for advice is one that's called Tiny Huge News. We started that at festival in Beijing about two years ago. And since then, um, it, we keep developing the project in, um, in order to transform it into a business, I guess. So at the moment, um, we are preparing to make our first pilot episode of the news show, which is part of the project. So the whole idea of Tiny Huge News is to teach kids about what news and fake news is today. And the format that we are trying to to launch um, the project on is a new show that we will create YouTube where the kids basically will collect with um, other kids from different kind of social economic backgrounds to report on an important news story that's happening in the world. So for um, the first episode, we are really tackling Sorry, the topic of the Syrian conflict that? and the refugee. Oops. Yes, of course. Sorry. And then we can dive a bit deeper for the next thing, just to go around quickly. Thank you. Um, Nick, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm an app developer um, and, uh, and I'm part of this discussion because I, um, I ran a crowdfunding campaign that um, was successful eventually um, a couple of years ago uh, for an app that originally was called Glued. And the idea of the app was an app to help families to actually get their, get their get the parents and kids off their iPhones and iPads by gamifying not using your device. So, um, so yeah, you've got more points for less time on your phone or your iPad. And, um, uh, and yeah, so uh, I ran a crowdfunding campaign um, on Cedars, um, which is a pretty big crowdfunding site in Europe. And that was a crowdfunding campaign for equity. So we gave away 10% equity in exchange um, to 90 people um, and we raised 60,000 um, pounds. And um, I'll go into the details as we get further into the call. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Jason. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Jason. I work with Crowdfunder. We're the UK's largest crowdfunding platform based on the number of projects that, that we work with, not necessarily the amount of money. Um, we're primarily a rewards-based platform, um, so we don't offer equity or loans but what we do is offer an opportunity for you to give back to people something from your project or to pre-sell something you're producing <coughs> um, and uh, we've been around for about six years now now brilliant thank you i might as well finish off the, the uh, intro so um, most of you probably know who i am lawrence the co-founder of the happy startup school um, I guess we're particularly interested in this topic because we meet a lot of people who are interested in crowdfunding and often see it as a route to, you know, free money maybe, let's say, <laughs> or an easy route to money. Um, but as we know, it can take a long time to find enough people who are going to invest in you. So yeah. I guess my interest is partly about how we can help people in the community discover how they can access this funding, but also maybe what steps they need to take through building their community beforehand to make that possible, make it easier. Um, okay, cool. So I wanted to kick off really by um, Haley sort of putting you, you know, the, the light on you for a second, just to, I guess, dive a little bit into specifically what it is that you're looking to fund for. I know you mentioned it a little bit, um, your rough sort of timeline for that. And I guess, like, what are the big burning questions that you're facing right at the moment? Because I think that would be useful for these guys to be able to just offer some specific help for you. 
Um, so a bit of background. So at the moment, um, what we're trying to work towards for crowdfunding is um, to raise enough budget to pr produce the show between six to next um, uh, six months to a year for the next year. At the moment, um, we are doing a pilot episode um, around the Syrian conflict and the refugee crisis, as um, I mentioned. We basically have spent the last two to three months just researching. We have you know, a team of freelance um, journalists and researchers that have been really amazing and helping us putting all this content together. And then the next few weeks, we're actually going to partner up with a refugee organization here locally in Berlin. Um, where we will bring together refugee kids and non-refugee kids to create new segments together through kind of creative performance and costumes. So part of the whole concept of Tiny Huge News is that we want to find a different way of presenting sort of complex issues and ideas um, that kids probably have a notion of about news and what's happening in the world, but there isn't anything that is made to address um, on a high level, what they need to understand on these issues. So this first episode is really our way of testing out whether this concept works um, with especially information that we've gathered that sometimes are quite dense. So we're finding a way of sort of synthesizing that and presenting it to kids in a way that hopefully they will understand, they can engage with, and they can express it to other kids through the channel. So we've been thinking a lot about crowdfunding as a way to um, kick off, you know, our marketing sort of efforts. We are definitely not marketing people. And I guess we sort of play to our strengths and we've been concentrating a lot more on, you know, making the, pro uh, the product and the project as good as it can be. We've tested it in a few different places. So as I mentioned, we were in Beijing for an art festival two years ago where we worked with about 60 kids over a week um, testing this first version of the project. And then last year we had our own event in Madrid where um, we expanded the format. So we had an open exhibit where we designed sort of um, activities and games and also an exhibition to really teach not just kids but families about what fake news and news literacy is, what it means to people and how to be you know, responsible in the way we create and share news. And that was a huge success. And this is why it sort of gave us the push to want to continue this year with this program. Except of course, like now that we have to make it on our own and not having sort of the commission and the support of an institution or an organization, it, um, it's, it's a completely different, you know, thing that we're trying to make in some sense. And the first thing that obviously comes to mind is that we need money to pay for everyone and, and to really have enough to um, sustain the project on the long term. So crowdfunding, um, we're not sure will actually give us everything that we need for the budget, but um, we were hoping that at least we can test out the interest out there if the idea really resonates with parents and hopefully have enough to get us started and maybe also give us more credibility while trying to fundraise with other investors. So this is kind of where we're at at the moment. <clears throat> Thanks, Hayley. So I guess maybe just any specific questions you guys have before diving into, I guess, advice or tips for, for Hayley. Is anything that wasn't clear or that you'd like to find out a little bit more about? It'd be really good to know a bit more about your network, Hayley. So how do you engage with parents or children people who are going to be interested in the product um how big is your facebook following twitter following what other social media do you use how do you reach your network currently so this is actually the very beginning of all of that for us so of course we've created a facebook page we have a twitter account but to be honest i mean besides just posting um the immediate sort of things that we're doing we haven't really put in much effort to to grow and create a real sort of audience or community through that, um, which we realized straight away when we were trying to find 10 kids, you know, to participate in our current program, which is, we thought isn't a lot, but it really highlighted the fact that, you know, of course, in our immediate circle, um, we don't really have parents that necessarily have kids that fit in the age range that we're looking for. Um, we have now, you know, this connection with the refugee organization, which is amazing. So they're really bringing to us, you know, all the kids, um, that they work with regularly, you know, through the shelters here in Berlin. But for us, it, 
it was really important to try and bring kids from very different um, backgrounds and worldviews together because this is one of the things that we realized was very important, you know, in terms of media literacy that we're trying to teach kids is um, not just about, you know, fact-checking or making sure that the information is sound, but to really be able to understand other people who are very different from yourself and how they might think about the same kind of world issues in different ways. <clears throat> Okay. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I think what's going to be a really useful starting point for you is to actually, if you're looking, seriously looking at crowdfunding, is to do some network mapping. So I think you've got two audiences there, uh, particularly if you're looking at some of the more challenging groups that you're working with, refugee networks, etc. Probably not going to be the base where you're going to get your cash from. So I think you need to split up into your network mapping and do some network mapping around who's actually going to engage with the product and who actually could be your potential supporters for it. Um, and in terms of the crowdfunding, you really want to focus on, on who are the supporters and how are you going to reach them. Um, I don't know, can I share my screen if I can find something? Yeah, there should be a, a button at the bottom of the screen. All right, carry on, I'll just try okay, to find. Nick, did you have any questions for Hayley? Um, uh, well, to add, to what Jason was saying, um, talking about like your network, um, because um, when I first decided to crowdfund, I had some notion because I, I looked at the various crowdfunding platforms and there seemed to be this common thread, which was that on every one of these websites, all of these projects were getting funded and it looked really positive. So it looked to me like if I, because there was an application process, if I applied and got accepted, then it felt like um, there was, you know, gold at the end of the rainbow or whatever, like it was going to get funded. And, and, and I was quite ignorant to the amount of work that's required by you as the person running the campaign um, to succeed. And so many of these campaigns um, don't. Um, and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to um, add to the discussion that there's a huge amount of work uh, that's what I found um, and we were successful and it was some absolutely fantastic and we got 90 investors but um, my god did we have to work hard to get to that point and I got it kind of went in um, a little bit kind of uh, naively and then discovered that also a lot of the money um, tends to have to be raised from your own network so people you know your friends your family and you have to be kind of prepared uh, to go out and um, canvas your friends and family because like the, the kind of line of um, percentage raised, let's say you're trying to raise 5,000 pounds, if that line and you've only raised 50, um, that green line is right at the beginning. Like nobody wants to come to an empty party. You know, they want to, they want to see that line already full up. They want to feel like there's a load of people who also believe in the idea and want to, to, to add to it. So, um, so, so yeah, and I remember on Cedars, we were advised to not launch your campaign until you had something like 20 or 30% of the money already raised from your personal networks. So, um, so yeah, yeah, we had, we had advised similar. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it, that's, crowdfunding is in effect a direct marketing fundraising campaign. There's loads of research out there. If you just reframe crowdfunding a little bit and think about it as crowdfunding for a campaign, much like cancer research might do or one of the big um, charities do, then you know you can roll back on loads of research and information that's out there around it. And yeah, when, when anybody, whether it's South Bank Centre or Cancer Research, launch a big campaign, when it goes public, they already know where at least 20% of their money's coming from. It's in the bank, it's pledged, they've got names against the donors, they'll have at least one large donor who's probably giving about 10%, the rest will be made up of, of smaller donors. Um, so, and yeah, it's about making sure that you're making it seem, look like you've got momentum. People want to yeah. give to a campaign that feels like it's going somewhere, it's got momentum, other people back it. People are generally quite lazy, they don't want to read everything that you've put out there. Um, they, they kind of work on the basis that other people have done that and done more of the due diligence for them. Um, so that they'll pledge as well. Um, so I think, yeah, when it comes to crowdfunding, it's perhaps worth thinking about it slightly differently. And yeah, a very good point. You are going to have to go out there and ask people for money. 
So my, my, my background is in the charity sector and it's a, a sector I'm working with um, at Crowdfunder particularly. And, and it's surprising that a lot of charities are rubbish at asking people for money. Um, they really don't like it, particularly ones that have been dependent on grant funding previously and tend to think that the work they're doing, being charitable, being quite benevolent, should be grant funded. Um, but they're also often the kind of people who are great at asking people for other things. So um, a lot of charities are totally dependent on using volunteers. They're not afraid to ask people to give time. Not everybody can give time. And by giving them an option to give you cash, you're providing them an alternative way to, to buy into your organisation, to support it in a way that, that's going to help you. Um, so I think, yeah, perhaps think you get, having the right mindset from, from the start as to what crowdfunding is and what you're actually doing is really crucial. And yeah, we still get loads of people who think you just create a crowdfunding page and magically all the money appears. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit that, of that happens. So once a project gets going and perhaps you're doing well and it appears on the trending bar of a, the crowdfunding website, um, gets out on social media a bit more, you'll get more people finding it. You've got to get the right people finding it. But there aren't people generally browsing Cedars, Kickstarter, whatever site it is, looking for projects to fund. It just doesn't really happen like that. There's a little bit of it. Um, I think we work at Crowdfunder as to how we can get the kind of projects people like and might want to support in front of those people to narrow down their options. But there's just too many options out there. Um, also, think very carefully about the... Uh, the target that you're aiming for. Um, I mean, you mentioned sort of a, a runway of however many months it was. And, and I remember thinking, okay, well, to, for this business to be properly sustained and to cover this business, like us working on it full time for nine months, we need this amount of money. And, and it was way more. So, so basically we went out, we tried to raise 90,000 pounds and it was a kind of crazy target. Um, and, and with a lot of these campaigns, if you don't hit the target, you get nothing if you don't hit the target within the time frame. Mm -hmm. And so, so we actually ended up, like, even though we raised a, a large percentage of that um, uh, target, we, we, we realized halfway through that we were going we to come short and then we'd end up with nothing. So we actually had to relaunch our campaign, try and get those with, uh, with, a, with a much lower target. And we... Um, we enjoyed a number of benefits of that because we actually then tried to raise 25k and we knew that we could based on the number of people who'd already invested and um, and and then and so what we did was we hit our 25k target really quickly and if and as the as the and you're allowed to let these campaigns like overfund and so that's what we did we gave away a smaller percentage for 25k and then we hit that target quickly and then what happened is everyone sees this green line it's all full and it's overfunding and it looks like a much more positive. Um, and so we, we ended up getting a lot of people investing who weren't necessarily part of my own sort of friends and family network as a result. And, you know, we raised 65 K. Um, so, so yeah, it's a different way of doing it, but think very carefully about not setting your target too high. Thanks Nick. So Jason, do you just want to dig a bit deeper into this graphic that you've uh, put on the screen for us? Yeah, so this is the, the network mapping idea I was, I was talking about where um, you start in the middle with your idea and its possible supporters and try to work through the different ways that you're going to reach out to those and the different networks you can engage with. Um, and it doesn't, I can't make it expand on this one. There's a kind of, there should be another set of bubbles. So you start, let's say we start with um, Twitter or LinkedIn, one of those. So you know that from your following, you've perhaps got a couple of hundred people that follow you on Twitter and you can have direct contact with them. Um, but you're gonna to need to grow that. Um, so on average, probably you know, it's useful, you know, work on the basis that anything you put out, 5% of people will click on it and open it. Um, it's a useful number. And perhaps five or 5% 5 of people will then actually pledge on your project after having seen it. So, um, this page is actually from our guide section on the website that you can look at. Um, we work around the basis of um, three key kind of parts to planning your campaign, creating it, and then running it. So planning is the bit before 
Um, creating is about getting the page set up um, and then running it is what happens when you click live um, and getting word out there. So this is the first bit I always encourage people to do, which is to start with some network mapping. So if we start with things like Twitter, look how many people you've got on your followers and how many people you've got direct contact with. You can then look at and start adding some numbers on here. So you might say you've got 200 people on Twitter that follow you. Maybe 20 of them you think will pledge to you and you know your audience, they might pledge 50 pounds. So you can actually start doing some math and adding it onto these lines. So you know from your direct Twitter following, you might be able to raise say a thousand pounds, whatever it is. What you can then look at is the various networks you might want to engage with on Twitter and start adding more circles here. So, um, and the same on Facebook. So um, I use Facebook as an example. So um, I work with a project here in Brighton. They've got a Facebook page. They've only got about 30 followers on their Facebook page. They weren't going to raise the money they wanted through that Facebook page. But what they could do then is look at the local groups that they could engage with. This was a project in a local park. Um, so in the area we live, it's called Seven Dials. There's a Seven Dials Facebook group. That's got about 6,000 people in that group. So if they could get whoever runs that page to share their project, they were going to reach 6,000 local people. There's then another, there's a Brighton People group, which has about 30,000 people on that. Again, if they could get the, their post shared through that, what they were doing shared through that, they'd get that in front of 30,000 people. Each step you move away, you get slight, you know, you get more disconnected from those people. So when they post in the Seven Dials group, it was probably less like, you know, people were less likely to click on it. Perhaps they don't live in the area so near or aren't that interested. Um, when it came to the Brighton People Group, again, that covers the whole of Brighton. Less people are going to click on it. Um, so you're going to get um, a lower percentage of click-throughs, but hopefully you're still reaching out people who are engaged. And you can do this process for um, both online and offline networks as well. So think about friends and family you know, who's going to put in a bit of money, who might you need to reach out to, etc. Partners could be business partners, um, other groups you're working with, or other organisations you work with, and obviously things like press, um, etc. So you can just work through this and try and add in numbers. How many direct contacts have you got? If you haven't got, and it's also then a prompt to work out where you need to focus. So if you know you haven't got any contacts with, say, press and particular bloggers in the field who might be influential, then you know you can focus on that. And if you're a team, you can add names along those lines. So, you know, Hayley, might, you might focus on, on press and blogs. Ruben might be stronger on the social media. Put his name against the social media and start building up that network and working it out to build it up. Cool. And Jason, quickly, how do you give people like a timeline, like ideal timeline from when they want to raise to when they should get going with all of this stuff? Uh, it, I mean, it varies depending on how much you're looking to raise and how ready you are when you come to the platform. What, what we know is um, people who come onto the platform, create their project in, in the same day and make it live aren't going to be successful. Right. Um, what we know is where people have started their project, set up, gone away, come back to it, and perhaps take a couple of weeks to actually get it set up before they make it live, then they're probably, and, and they've had a number of visits. We know that they're working on it, they're making amends, they're you know, involving other people in the process, that's a good sign. Um, and in terms of timelines, it, it really does vary. So we work, and, you know, we work with projects who've raised, so the wave in Bristol, 400,000 pounds, if you track their timeline back, it was like 18 months. They had a, a fundraising plan, crowdfunding was always a part of it. They had various different streams of funding they were bringing on board before they knew it was the right time to crowdfund. Um, so I think the thing to think about is when do you need the money by? Um, that's crucial, work back from that. Sorry, Jason, do you mind just unsharing your screen just so you can see the video again? I'll do that, yeah. So, um, yeah, so think about when you need the money. Have you got a deadline? Um, deadlines can be really good for driving people to pledge, i.e. if you can say to people, we need X amount of money, buy Y, to do Z, or it's not going to happen. Um, you know, you can create a little bit of a jeopardy narrative there that people can buy into and understand. It drives people to pledge as well. People are quite lazy generally. 
Um, you know, if you look at a campaign and it's got four weeks to go, you're a bit busy. You go, oh yeah, I'll do that, but I'll do it another time. Actually, what you want people to do is go on there and go, I need to do this, I need to do it now, and I will do it now. Um, we say that the, we advise that in terms of running the campaign, you have it live for about a month. Uh, so four weeks is a reasonable time. That's because going back to what Nick said, you're going to need to be working on it. You're going to be working on it every day. It's the kind of process that, you know, it doesn't need a lot of work every day, but you're going to need to put aside probably an hour every day, do some socials, be going out to people, email people, make sure you're mixing up your assets and the messaging you put out there. Um, I, mean, I, I, found, I found it like a, like a full-time job. Um, <laughs> I mean, we... Uh, in terms of our timeline, we applied to Cedars in April of this particular year, 2015, I think it was. And, um, and we succeeded with our campaign and knew we had the money in November 2015. And then we ended up with the money in January 2016. Um, so quite a long timeline. And I, and I, and I don't think that's um, unusual. Um, so, um, so, yeah, definitely worth really considering whether you whether because because obviously if you're working on it full time you could be working on your project instead and i'm trying to balance it up to work out whether it's if but but you know from what you said it sounds like it's a marketing exercise as well as um to, to raise the money so um but yeah just it's a it's a full-time job it's a big commitment to make and it will take a long time until you see the money um and of course um you might not be successful and then you would have spent a lot of um, wasted time so i guess the bit that interests me is um particularly with someone like Haley, who maybe struggles with the marketing side or um has maybe put that to one side whilst focusing on the product which makes perfect sense whether having a focus like this crowdfunding you know with a deadline and a timeline to actually aim towards and a goal to sort of skill up almost on all the things that she's not comfortable with you know whether that's a good thing whether that was a good thing for you nick um, whether that made you get better at pr and marketing and hustling even though it probably went against your better nature that's a good point i've never thought of that um yeah i mean since launching my product um although that first product didn't really succeed and we've subsequently launched like a, 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 a we've, we've pivoted somewhat um uh I've got quite good at reaching out to journalists and, and getting press and publicity, which has been, which has been great. Um, Do you think that would have happened if you hadn't crowdfunded or just uh, taken you longer? I think it would have taken, taken, taken longer. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely benefited. Um, but um, <laughs> another negative point to add into the mix, uh, after we did raise our money, um, one thing we did, because we'd overraised was we ended up i spent money on i made a few bad decisions you know and actually i went and spent money uh on on a company who were going to do our pr who i was so impressed by their pitch at some conference that i met them that i i ended up wasting quite a lot of the money you know and um spending badly um and and actually uh the project has become much more successful since i've run out of money because I'm really focused and making good decisions by, by having, having limited choices. Mm. Um, it doesn't sound like Haley's going down the route of trying to raise that kind of money, but, um, uh, but yeah, it had a, yeah. If, if I'd have spent those sort of nine months actually focusing on the project, then uh, rather than focusing on a campaign to make money to then focus on the project, I'd have been much further down the line. Um, but then again, I've got 90 investors in my company and I quite like the fact that I can put out updates and people, uh, there's a discussion forum in Cedars where people who've invested in the company sort of add to the conversation. It doesn't feel like I'm alone, even though I am kind of like a, a sole founder. So that's quite cool. That's been another benefit. I guess it, like you were at summer camp pitching it two, three years ago and it gave you a reason to stand up there and, you know, ask for help and for 150 odd people to know that you exist and that includes a thing. Well, yeah, I mean, that was, that was an unbelievable experience for me. Um, so yeah, going to the happy startup summer camp in 2015, um, we were just about to go live with our campaign and I got to stand on the stage and sort of pitch in five minutes, what the app was and what we were doing and the fact 
that we were about to launch on Cedars and it seemed to resonate with a number of people in the audience. And yeah, so about 20, 25% of the investment in my campaign came from uh, happy startup people, you know, which was just unbelievable. Um, Still waiting for that commission. Yeah, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I think I'm an investor as well, so uh, yes. You are. Um, cool. Um, so one question I had was for you, Jason, like in terms of who you fund, is it predominant or is it just UK-based? Um, projects it's something that someone asked in the community was like can you get funded outside of your country for you know someone in Asia saying can I get funded in Europe for my business I'm guessing not but yeah uh, well anybody can start a campaign on crowdfunder um, it depends if you can set up the, the bank account details to, to get the money so we're down to having the right card or bank account so you need a UK-based account to, to set up an account? I don't think it needs to be UK-based. It's got to be able to work with the UK banking system. Um, okay. So we do get projects raising money for um, projects overseas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, crowdfunding has been built in a way that anybody can try crowdfunding. And I think in terms of Paley, where you are and at the point of looking to build a network as well, um, then it could be worth thinking about doing two crowdfunds. Start with something relatively small, use it as an opportunity to engage more people, get feedback, um, perhaps offer some rewards that allow people to get involved on a longer term basis as well. Um, and then see how that goes. You've then already got a, a network of people who've invested a little bit of money, who if you then go back to them to say, and I had a good relationship with, you can go back to and say, we're looking to raise more money, we're gonna do an equity raise or whatever you might be doing. So we see that quite a lot through crowdfunding as well, where projects come to us. Um, some guys setting up a, a brewery company a while ago. Um, so they wanted to buy equipment to create a brewery, but not one where they brew their own beer that you could go into, hire the brewery for a day in effect, work with them, create a, your own home brew craft beer and, and go away with some decent brew rather than the crap you try and brew at home, which always tastes rubbish. Um, so they, they did an initial crowdfund with us to raise 10 grand to, to buy some of the kits and they were renting premises. Um, it went really well and then they came back 18 months later and did an equity raise and raised about 120 grand to move in you know, to buy premises and, and and buy more equipment and set up fully. So that's always an option as well. And when they did that, they'd already got a crowd of supporters that they could go out to, who'd put their money money where their mouth was previously. Um, and again, another rule of marketing and fundraising: if if you're looking to raise money, the first people you go to are people who've given you money before. Um, I have two questions. Um, thanks, Jason. Actually, this was very helpful because we were considering um, choosing between platforms, right? And the different models that they offer. Mm. And obviously the most um, obvious ones is kind of reward based, like what you mentioned and what you guys do. But also there's other platforms like Patreon, for instance, that is more um, having people patronize you regularly, you know, um, that's ongoing. And we weren't really sure which category we fit better in. So maybe doing two campaigns would be a good way to, to yeah, take advantage of both models, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I thought of Patreon when you described what you were doing, that it could be, you know, where you're producing that regular content that people want to engage with. It's perhaps working with harder to reach groups, etc. I think that's the kind of model that might work quite well for that Patreon subscription type. Mm -hmm activity but then again you're also doing stuff which you could quite easily do a, a rewards-based uh, crowdfund for as well and then move on to an equity raise if you want to get really a bigger investment into the business totally and um my second question actually is to nick when you say you had to do it full-time is that because you are also the only person that was working on the crowdfunding campaign full-time um partly uh it's just there's, just, there's just so many, if you want to be successful, um, I think you have to create an amazing, I mean, it sounds like you're already in production of video or TV or whatever, so that helps um, tremendously. Um, your message has to be really succinct. And, um, and I think people, um, it's a bit of a hunch, but I think most people make their mind up based on your video. Um, 
I'm sure Jason will be able to share more light on that side of things. Um, it's just uh, because maybe it was just being naive, but um, you know, once we once we got out there and we and, and the campaign started rolling, it was amazingly exciting to see when someone invested. But it was a real slow drip feed because um, I hadn't done all my homework and hadn't hadn't um, lined up. You know, people there there are people who are serialist, serially successful at crowdfunding because they know what's involved and um, and they know that it's a PR mission to pitch and 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 and. And what people want to see is, is that I keep talking about that green line, but I think it is a real um, psychological thing to see it, 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 it growing over, over time um, and day by day, you know, going up. And, and, and if it starts to slow, then it gives people a sense that you're, I think I'm really not answering your question very well here, but um, uh, I, just, I just found it a lot of hard work to, because I, I didn't realize I would have to do so much work. And it was a case of like reaching out to all my LinkedIn contacts. I was having meetings with people that I knew through, um, through, through work and um, loose connections here and there. It was about like beg stealing and borrowing from family members. And, um, and it was also about trying to make our campaign as uh, uh, Jason mentioned trending, you know, we want like, if, if your campaign is getting like the least amount of, funding then it starts to drop in terms of the visibility on the website because as you can imagine the the companies running these websites want the most successful campaigns to be forefront because it makes them look good as well i guess and uh so it was trying to work the system as well to our advantage you know like in terms of the timings of investments because if we got quite a few um at the same time we'd suddenly be trending and we'd move ourselves to have more visibility and then we might get a knock-on organic growth from that and it's just learning all these lessons it just takes a lot of time and effort um and uh, and, and and failure was not an option so mm -hmm. um, actually i just wanted to ask um more on a kind of strategic level so obviously for people who are creating um a very concrete sort of product um crowdfunding I've, you know crowdfunding could be used in some sense to test whether um, they have a product that people actually want, right? So if you fail, it just means that maybe what you're creating is not really fitting to the market that you're looking for. Is that actually a useful way to think about it? Or it's not necessarily true, like depending on um, your marketing, you know, for the whole campaign to begin with? Uh, the, the application process that we certainly had to go through with Cedars was, um, was, was, length, was lengthy and, you know, the questions um, there were a lot of questions that I hadn't actually thought about as well. You know, I thought I got a great idea for a product, but um, had I really kind of got my head around the business model, you know, and I tend to kind of jump in feet first. And um, so it, it was it, that that actually was really useful because I started to think much more strategically, like you're suggesting, like um, and thinking about the longer term um, and trying to answer all these other questions. Of course, people are investing for equity. Would, would want to get answers to. So that was, that was definitely, definitely useful. Um, even if you're ultimately speculating mm. about, you know, cause it is, it is guesswork. I mean, a business plan, you know, is, 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 is guesswork in my opinion, but um, an educated guesswork, but uh, yeah, no, that was, a, that was, that was definitely a useful process. Um, I guess also with yours, Nick, it was a, an app, which to me feels really risky in terms of, you know, I guess Haley and Ruben have got some validation that what they're doing is is uh, is working and that they've got physical you know uh, experiences that are creating. Whereas yours feels, well, from my experience of building tech products over the years, is like it's it's there's a vision and there's what you're trying to do, but there's the execution and changing behaviour, which feels like a whole different ball game. Um, sure. I don't know if you that was your experience of like you know what you're trying to raise for can dictate how likely you are to get it to whether people found that too risky i don't know is there any feedback that you had around that uh what too risky to invest in yeah did you have any sort of blocks where people just didn't what didn't see what it could become um i think i think the idea was 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 solid um this was you know three years ago now um so it was quite a new idea uh you know i had experience already building apps so it wasn't like they were just investing in an idea mm -hmm. um i think we did a good video and we spent quite a lot of money um you know getting an animation 
a, like a product animation about what the app was and we um, and I managed to connect with some some really talented um, video people to create a good pitch as well um, so all of these were, 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 were parts of learning about the PR side of things as well I guess um, so I think we did a good job on selling it um, maybe not on delivering it in that particular instance um, yeah I'm not sure where I'm going now. Um, another question, Jason, um, is there people that often run more, their campaign more than once? And is that a negative thing? Like for instance, if you fail the first time and then you do it again, like it's, you know, does it have an effect on your chances of success? Like, you know, the second or third time that you do it, or is that even a common thing that people do? Uh, well, we get people who, who crowdfund with us every year. So we've got people who just do a crowdfund every year for a different thing or the same thing again. So it can work like that. Um, I mean, the trick is to do it and not to fail. So, you know, the first time you do it, set a target that's reasonable. If you've followed the guides, done your network mapping, you should be fairly confident it's achievable when you go out there to raise the money. Um, you know, if you set your target as what you know, the minimum viable product, what do you need to do that? Um, and then as Nick said, what, you know, what happens if you raise more money? Um, if it really takes off, you can always come up with options to have stretch targets. Um, but, you know, and use it as a way of, of engaging with your audience as well. So you can create your campaign, but, but keep it um, in what we call ninja mode. But you can have a page that you can share with friends, family, colleagues before it's actually live to the public and get feedback from them. And, and don't just say, what, you know, what do you think of it? you know, ask really pointed questions around, do you understand it? Will other people understand it? Would you pledge on my project or will you pledge on it? And how much will you pledge on it? Um, and that's partly about building up your 20% before you go live, but also the real opportunity to get some, some good quality feedback before you put it out in the public domain. And, and anybody who pledges towards your product is, um, your project is, is like one of your fans basically and make the most of that um, because you know anyone who, who, who takes that step wants other people to come on board too and um, and so you've got a certain reach with your network but as you start to reach people get them to reach to their networks and make the most of that we found that quite effective so people who had invested with you know I was sort of talking to them directly to get them to share that experience and what they were doing with their networks that I didn't have direct access to and that led to more funding. Cool. Um, so I'm keen to wrap up soon so we give people who are on the call a chance to ask any questions themselves. So it sounds like in short, Hayley, um, I guess, as you probably know, like trying to build your, you know, following in whatever way you can and branch out of your, your own network, it sounds like to be able to you know, bring new people in. Starting small, it sounds like Jason said, sounds like a way to go. You could potentially, you know, raise twice and start with something that feels more achievable. And I'm guessing Jason maybe do it sooner if it was a smaller amount rather than having a big sort of, um, you know, everything or nothing approach. Would that be approach? Like if you're looking to raise less start, you wouldn't need to give it such a lead time? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, the lead time is often dependent on how much you're looking to raise. Mm. But again, I wouldn't say necessarily do it, do it sooner. It depends on doing it when you're ready, when you think you've got the network in place. Um, that, you know, on paper, looks like you should be able to achieve the numbers. Yeah. So actually doing a bit of planning around this sort of network mapping and seeing, you know, what looks like a good amount that you could raise based on a realistic uh, group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and perhaps and yeah, and a smaller raise is, is often a way of, of getting people involved in your project that, that might be able to help you out. Um, we, what we find more and more is people say to us after they've done a crowdfunding campaign, they'll say, um, crowdfunding was great, we got the money, but the best thing about it was something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like the money becomes secondary. So we know that often when people run campaigns, they'll get contacted by people who've done similar projects or tried doing what they're doing before some of it might be oh we tried this it really didn't work or others will go yeah what you're doing is great have you thought about working in this way other times it might be you know you find an investor who sees the projects and actually goes i know you're crowdfunding with this but i'd really like to work with you so they might offer support mentoring etc certainly when it comes to the charities i work with um 
we find people, you know, they say, this year we've got more volunteers than ever we've had before because people saw we were crowdfunding, that we were out there looking for help financially. And people said, I've pledged on your project, but I'd also like to be able to work with you as a volunteer as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really worth thinking about why you want to crowdfund, not just for the money, but also what do you need to help you at this stage to grow and, and do, you know, do what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, well, I think it goes back to your point of it's like a campaign, really, isn't it? So it gives Haley and the team a focus to aim for and yeah. something to shout about to the outside world rather than being in sort of you know product mode and hidden away from the outside world. Um, but I guess in your favour, you've got great creative and design skills to be able to create you know the video and all the output that you would need to make this a success. So I think that's one massive thing in your favour that won't cost you anything, hopefully, other than time. Yeah. Um, lately, I've been even like you know con contemplating like just going out to parks and like talking to people with flyers but i'm not sure if that's like the most efficient way of using my time but um it almost feels like word of mouth seems to be the most powerful for us at the moment because whenever we do speak with people um they get it straight away and i think that's that's kind of something that we need to figure out how to adapt you know into how we would communicate that you know digitally on on social networks and stuff. Well, I think, um, um, like Nick says, just getting uncomfortable, getting comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess, the more you can put yourself out there, the more you'll get to a point that it's just something you do day to day. Um, the other thing is, Carlos did an online class a couple of months ago, I don't know if you saw it, on pitching, how to create a pitch, and there's kind of four elements to that, which I think are really useful, would be useful for any video that you do create, just trying to get people to buy into the vision of it, and just to be really succinct about what you're trying to do because I think that will be one challenge for you guys is you do other things as well as tiny huge news so trying not to shoehorn everything you do into that one video but just I think like Nick said be really focused on what is it that you're trying to communicate and getting them to buy into it emotionally as well as you know on a practical level is the key I think for me okay cool um if anyone's watching and they have specific questions if you could post those in the Q&A box that'd be great because then we can um make those live i know christopher had a question chris i'm gonna let christopher join us because he's um putting his hand up a lot which must mean he's got something really urgent to say so i'm gonna try and uh, get him on the call now he should be joining us from delhi if he's he's live um brighton to delhi can you hear me <laughs> he's muted he's muted let me try put him making the house Christopher. Hey, can you hear me? There we go. <laughs> yeah, but you can't see me, but that's all right. <laughs> I, I only put in my hand up once, that's a correction, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, my first thing is that I want to tell Haley that I worked a lot with young kids, um, especially in Sesame Street for four years. We did 90 short films, Pan India, with children from age groups four to seven. And it was a wonderful experience. And if you want any help on that regard in the creative point of view and from, you know, uh, just thinking out of the box, I'm there. So you've got one more potential person to help you straight away. Okay. Thank you very so, much. We definitely, yeah. I think I already wrote you, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I want to ask is why haven't you used, um, gone to organizations that uh, are interested in the kind of work that, that that you're doing and maybe they part fund that you know they you put their logo or you do stuff like that uh, I find that's a great way to get um, some kind of traction because then the company is invested in you and you get money from them you know so um, I, 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 I think that that would be some I, I'm sure you've explored it but I'm, I think that, and, and another thing is that if, if it's something that's so nice and uh, it's, it's sort of uh, affecting kids in their, their world, maybe you should offer it to schools and make, get schools and maybe if you're in Berlin, as I understand, get the, the, the school or, or system to say, hey, listen, we, we at least offer you a platform for people to, um, to see your product and maybe then they'll buy into it more. I mean, that's my, rather than spend hours and hours on crowdfunding and I, I, I mean, I'm listening to crowdfunding and now that I'm listening to it even more, I just feel that it just might dilute from the good work that you're doing. That's, that's my two cents as they say. <laughs> Thanks, Christopher. Um, Hayley, do you just want to respond to that? 
Yes, um, thank you very much, Christopher. And it's yeah. everything that you said rings really true for us. Mm. Um, I think at the moment, the, this point in time is that we feel like all these options are valid, but it's a question of effort. So at the moment, this is the biggest struggle that we have because there seems to be like all these amazing sort of possibilities mm -hmm. and each one requires some kind of time invested in research, figuring out who um, the exact fit for us would be. So mm -hmm. we tried like, you know, submitting applications because a lot of our friends are great and they keep passing us, you know, opportunities and say, Oh, maybe, you know, you should look at this grant and this fund and this organization. But what we realized um, very quickly is that, each one has a very particular vision of, you know, what the sort of projects and, and partners that they want. And, and I think we fit in some ways, but always there's a, a bit of, you know, customization and adjustment in how we want to present ourselves. And at the moment, um, we're trying to figure out what the best strategy is. Um, and for that, we decided literally in the last few weeks that we just want to focus on building our audience and getting using this crowdfunding campaign as a way for even knowing, you know, which direction that we should really take it. Um, so with schools, we, again, we, we've approached some schools here in Berlin. We've done a presentation at one, but very quickly, again, we realized that they have very different expectations. There's a lot of um, learning to be done as well, you know, about the way schools work, their budgeting, who we really need to reach out to, you know, when is a good time to, to pitch things to them. So all of these things are, you know, a learning curve, you know, the same if we are talking about applying for funding to government, you know, organizations or private, you know, foundations. So we're interested in all these things, but I guess we just have to make a choice right now. Yes, I agree. I, I understand that it's not an easy process, but I just find that in that way, you're in direct contact with your, with your immediate audience, you know, and you're building on people that really uh, you want to work with, you know. So I, 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 that's the reason why I just said that. I mean, I, I understand that you must have done a lot already in that regard. Um, actually, no, I, I don't think we have done enough. I think you're, I think maybe that shows a little bit of our inexperience really in the sector. I mean, we don't come from charity or non-profits. So for us, it feels like this huge world that, you know, we're just kind of scratching the surface at. And um, our, both of our backgrounds is really in advertising and film and commercial works. So obviously we're used to a very different set of thinking from people and how they work and what they're looking for. So I think this is kind of um, the struggle for us at the moment is finding the time to feel comfortable in, you know, the new kind of information that we're coming across and, and trying to understand whether we're really thinking about things, um, not just in the right way, but also, you know, are we giving it the right weight? You know, um, yeah, this is something that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. I think well, you, you Haley, like a lot of people, we meet seem to want to just outsource or delegate this stuff. So like, I, I just want to focus on making, you know, we were there for a while ourselves. It's like, Oh, I'd love someone to just come in and run the funding side or like run the business side. And I just do what I love doing, which is make creative, um, you know, products and services like Nick too. But it feels like at the beginning, you have to do all these horrible things that you don't want to do because a, you can't afford someone and B, even if you could, they will need so much input from you to know what it is that they have to do that it's still going to suck up some of your time anyway. So, yeah, I think that's the, I don't know, Nick, were you going to say something? Uh, no, just agreeing with you. I'm, um, I've learned a lot about PR, but it's not really my favorite activity. You know, I like to just get stuck in with the product and um, yeah. Um, yeah. You've just got to yeah, become a jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. The first part of that. But yeah. Just the first part. Um, so conscious of people's time, keen to wrap up soon. Carlos, um, is on the call now jason he's got a question for you which is probably one i'm sure you've fielded before which is what's the most audacious success you've seen on crowdfunder and conversely what's the most audacious failure i'm not sure what he means by that but i'm sure there's been a few failures but is there one that comes to mind that you not naming names you would want to tell us about uh well i mean our biggest success was probably the glenn wyvis distillery in scotland um which um was an idea to set up a, a community-owned distillery um, in Dingwall. Um, they set out, they, I mean, they had an audacious target. Their target was 1.5 million. Um, and they actually smashed that and raised 2.5 million through their community share issue. Um, 
they've now come back and they've got another share issue with us, um, which is a form of equity. Um, they've raised another half a million through that as well. Um, so that was pretty impressive. I mean, that, that did go viral, got a lot of support from the States and from Japan as well, where there's quite a big following, particularly Japan. There's a real um, whiskey, mm. uh, whiskey following in Japan for some reason. Um, biggest failure uh, was probably the David Bowie statue. So there's a group who got a plan to build a memorial to David Bowie in Brixton, where there's already a little memorial. They wanted to put a big, uh, the Ziggy Stardust flash opposite the tube in Brixton and set out to raise a million pound. Very quickly got a lot of quite negative feedback from the community. We're also contacted by David Bowie's family and, and they raised a bit of money, but they withdrew it quite quickly because they just realized they hadn't done their homework. So they hadn't engaged with the right people before they'd launched their campaign. They thought it was a great idea. The crowd quickly told them probably wasn't such a good idea. Um, so they've gone back and they've still got a plan to do it, but they're now, you know, they're doing the groundwork they should have done before now. So, so that quote about there's no such thing as bad PR is not necessarily true. No, I mean, it's not put them off, but it just made them realise that they, they judged it wrong. Right. So, but yeah, a million pounds, wow, that's quite ambitious. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so Hayley, any sort of uh, anything enlightening for you on that or anything that you, you want to take away from this that you think will be yeah, a next step for you? Because I guess there's a lot, it can be overwhelming the amount of stuff you might have to do for this. Um, I think the biggest thing that came to mind is that obviously there's no hard and fast um, really in terms of how much time you need before you launch. Um, what I didn't really think about it is in this, you know, very clear terms that you need to really secure 20% of, you know, the target amount that you want to raise before you should consider launching it, which I think is very helpful because when you talk about time, yeah, like it feels very variable, like depending on how many people's in your team, you know, how much of this kind of um, community or, you know, um, network that you've already got in place. So I think this is very helpful for me because I'm, you know, have this idea, you know, in our minds and on our schedule that we want to launch in the, in the autumn. But to be honest, it feels a bit arbitrary now that, you know, um, I've got, you know, this idea that actually is more important is to have everything ready before we do anything. Okay. Quickly, before we all leave, just a quick plug for each of you. If people want to find out more about all of your projects, where do we go? Jason? Oh, uh, sorry, uh, crowdfunder.co.uk. Um, and one of the things I meant to say was we know when a project's successful on Crowdfunder that they've looked at at least 10 other projects in, on Crowdfunder before they've gone live. Um, so I always say to people, you know, one of the first things you do is you're planning, look on Crowdfunder, but also look on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, all the other sites. Find people who've done what you've done or similar to what you've done before. Look at how they've done it track back through their social media, see what they were putting out at the time when they were raising, um, and rinse and repeat, don't reinvent the wheel. And do you ever connect people who've, you know, like someone who might be ahead of you who wants to raise similar projects than you, that you want to do? Is that something you guys do? Uh, well, you can do it. You can contact yeah. the, the project owner through Crowdfunder. So okay. find a campaign, drop them a line. Brilliant. Uh, Nick? Um, yeah, so my app, um, the original app's gone, but um, the newest app is called Mute, and um, and that launched in January uh, this year, and uh, it's having quite a lot of success. And the idea is to basically, it's an app to help you to change your habits. So to so it's for people who um, want to spend less time on their phone, and um, and it's like a, a bit like a Fitbit for for kind of motivating you and making you feel good when you don't use your phone rather than feel bad and ashamed when you use it too much. So it's kind of like your buddy um, to get you off your phone. And it's called Mute and the website is justmuteit.com and you can find it in Apple's app store if you search for Mute. Awesome. And Hayley, where do we go if you want to find out more about your project? Um, at the moment, please, yeah, just check out our website, which is dodolaboratory.com. And specifically for our project, Tiny Huge News, it's just tinyhuge.news. Um, we have a Facebook page and um, lately we've been quite active on it. So you can also connect with us there. 
and of course through um, the Happy Startup um, Mighty Network as well. You can definitely PM me and I'm more than happy to yeah, share what we're doing um, with everyone. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, and thanks all for your time today. I know it's uh, busy people and really appreciate your input on Haley's uh, challenge. I know lots of other people out there with similar questions. So really appreciate you guys spending the time to join us this lunchtime. Um, just laughing at Christopher who's saying Carlos doesn't mute himself enough. So uh, I will leave you on that note. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a million. And um, yeah, everyone. and yeah, Haley, look forward to seeing how things evolve from here. Watch Thank this you, place. Yeah. Good, good, good luck. Good luck, Hayley. See you soon.